Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. I'm Benjamin Holden. I literally nearly forgot to say my name. Then was your host. I was looking at you like waiting for you to You're go in. You're very sleepy today. I'm very tired, guys. I did my first 15k this morning and it was fine. But the after effects, I've got the worst brain fog slash brain farts going on. It's unbelievable. There's no, you know, when you sat there and it's like, oh, this thought pops into your head. Then this thought, mine's just like, it's like someone's well, in my head just doing this. We've been ill last week and we've actually taken about 5 million COVID tests just to make sure it wasn't. Mm. But I'm actually feeling better today. But I can't, do you know when a cold moves into here and you can't hear anything? So if I'm shouting, that's the reason why. Because I feel like I've just... I think you're all right. Do you see the video of where Steve got the poo gun shot down his ear? That's how I feel this that's morning. Absolutely someone's disgusting. Someone's double pooed gun me in the, in the ear. It's all gone down my ear. Can I can't hear properly. Also, if you watch on the YouTube channel, firstly, make sure that you subscribe. I think there's over like 2,000 people that viewed last week's podcast, very popular episodes. But there's only half of the people who are subscribed to the YouTube channel. So make sure you hop over there, hit the subscribe button, like the podcast video because it helps push them out to other people who are potentially going to be helped by the content that we are creating. Also, you'll probably notice, Ben, why are you wearing sunglasses? Well, I actually got sent these five minutes before we start the podcast. It's not an ad, not a pay post. Actually from, I don't know called Key or Quay. I think it's Quay. Co- Key Australia. Key Australia. Yeah. They're actually quite cool though, aren't they? I'm, I'm, I'm vibing with these. I usually wear my Oakleys, but I quite like these. You look like you're about to do a wrap. That wasn't what I was going for, but thank you. It's all right. I, use, I like the Oakleys though because they stay on my face when I'm doing stuff, like activities. And these are good, but I feel like they're more fashion-y sunglasses rather than... That's just so worse than you've ever done. But they are quite cool. I'm gonna Get wear them, them off. On. I'm going to wear those on my walk later. Get them off. But yes, hello, welcome back to the podcast. We are back in the kitchen. Yeah, we are back in Manchester's podcast studio, which is in our house. And to be fair, it's actually a great setup. It's not quite the same as being in a podcast studio. But di- did you know, guys, there's literally zero podcast studios in Manchester. There's actually no podcast studios in Manchester. It's so mad. We was we were going to try and do a podcast with Erica when she was over we'd message like try to get through to so many people and it's like podcasts don't exist in Manchester whereas you go to London you've got a podcast studio on every corner we're not from London though so we're not going to go there just to do a podcast if anyone's listening who knows a podcast studio in Manchester just let us know because when we have guests on it's obviously ideal not to be sitting in the kitchen doing a podcast Mm, definitely however saying that what will be very decent towards the end of this year is that we should have potentially the end of this year the start of next year we'll have our own home built podcast studio i'm not saying anything more than that but it's going to be sick yeah you can't jinx it we i think do you know what's so mad as well we put one thing up being like oh really exciting times coming with like a house and people were asking so many questions and i was just a bit like there's some things in life you want to keep to yourself i don't actually want to share anything like that on social media especially to do with houses and things so i mean you guys in the podcast got a little bit of a taste of there didn't you no one on Instagram knows that. Yeah. Well, the podcast is a, it's a special place. Uh, uh, sorry, guys, if you can't hear me today, it's because my throat is really bad. <sighs> Inhale, exhale. I'm on the Breathe out the pain. Melon flavour rain today. Don't like all that many rain, rain drinks, but the melon ones are actually quite nice. Went out of monster this morning. But today's podcast episode, as you may have seen in the title, I can't remember what I've labelled it yet. It was something to do with 2%. But basically, we're going to look 
at the negativity bias, which is something that we touched on in the previous podcast with Jane, but I wanted to go into a bit more detail today because I think from the amount of questions we had and the amount of posts of relatability to it and the amount of people who potentially are a subconscious sufferer of it is in the masses. And I think it's something with we take for granted and we don't really understand what it is, why it is, and how all of us actually have some form of it on our lives, whether it be psychologically, physically, or socially. So I think what we'll do is we'll kick off with what the actual definition of the negativity bias is mm. so that we can better understand it, give some examples, and hopefully break down for you guys who are listening some ways that you can deal with negativity or the effect of negativity in your life and view it in a completely different way so that you're able to continue your day and ultimately be happy as you go through your journey. Did you want me to read the definition that I got down? You've got a nicer voice to me, so why not? Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, we might have different definitions. When Ben was like, do you want to do a podcast on the negativity bias? I was like, I actually, I don't really know much about it. I don't know what that is. So it's it's quite, it's not new for me because I 100% experience this on the daily basis. Sorry. Have you ripped the mic? No. Yeah. Um... It came like that out of the box. No, it didn't come like that out of the box. No, it did. It was Cal. He Cal took them out of the box this morning. And he he fucking bashed at me. So Cal 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 ripped it this morning. I hate seeing things like ripped or brokered and not that wasn't looking very nice. Broked I just make it, it up because when I looked at it, broken. I couldn't. It was worse than broke. Well, it was beyond. Just broke. stop. Just stop staring at it for a second. And I'll just continue. Yeah, the negativity bias, I kind of had an idea what it was, but then Ben was like, do you want to do a whole podcast on it? I was like, okay, I think I need to do a bit of research. And as I was researching and going through, it's so mad how common it is in every single day life. And the definition that I picked up was the negativity bias, also known as the negativity effect, is the notion that even when of equal intensity, things of a more negative nature so unpleasant thoughts, emotions, or social interactions, harmful, traumatic events, have a greater effect on one's psychological state and processes than neutral or positive situations. Yeah, so basically, in other words, it's something that... um, Fixating on the negative. Yeah, something very positive will have, generally have a less of an impact on us or our behaviour than something equally emotional but negative yeah yeah so it's it's in regards to how impactful negative news or negative emotions or someone else's negative views on us as a human being take a toll far beyond that of any kind of positive action reinforcement or feedback than we ever receive and how that's as human beings we mentally hold on to those things for a long long time when they're when they're negatively based yeah i think it was one of the things that kept coming up for me was when something negative happens or it's a negative stimulus, it's not just that you think about it for a period of time, you literally dwell on it. And it could be for days, it could be for weeks, there could be that one thing really negative that happened in a positive situation, but you dwell on it for weeks. It can be something that can come back to dwell on you. Even at that time, you didn't really realise was that negative. And then you can think about it later down the line and it hits you hard do you know what i was thinking about i don't i don't know anything about this by the way but that kind of thing must play some sort of role when you are looking at things like ptsd depression anxiety and those real high magnitude of mental health illnesses anxiety does for sure because they're, they're all 
well, especially with PTSD, they're coming from experiences, I would guess most of the time negative experiences, mm-hmm. which then keep cropping up and coming back to you. Yeah, definitely. I I can't give the example of depression or PTSD, but definitely with anxiety, I've had it before where I've been anxious about something maybe like a month ago and I'll wake up and think about it and it's it's awful. Mm-hmm. It sends me in some sort of spiral and you think in your head, why the hell am I, am I so focused on... So say, for example, for me, that one negative comment someone made, made about me a month ago, why am I still thinking about that now mm. when my human brain is like, Lucy, stop it, this is ridiculous. Mm. But that's the whole point of it, isn't it? It's yeah. your human psychology and your human behavior. Because I get really pissed off at my brain sometimes. I'm like, why Why are you so weird? Why are you being so annoying? Yeah, but this is this is the thing that came from the, the previous podcast with James and it was that how people get caught up with that 2% of of feedback or two percent of people who leave those negative remarks about us and how that small percentile of people who get the dick hard from leaving negative comments or leaving negative feedback really leaves a long-lasting impression but sometimes as well that person who leaves the negative remarks or gives the negative feedback is you through self-criticism mm-hmm. and you can play into your own negativity bias and create those your own negative narratives of what is going on or isn't really going on yourself and we know that often a lot of times we are our own self-critic we've done a podcast on this Mm -hmm. before if you want to go back and listen to it so that's something something that i wanted to discuss in this week's episode as well as that coming from an external source it can also be internal as well well there was one of those things where it's you know with first impressions of people Mm -hmm. if you have a bad quotations a bad first impression of someone that must be why it's so difficult sometimes to get over that because it's a negative emotion that you've experienced when you've met someone and you just think of the bad experience but how often does that happen what do you mean like for example i won't name names but i've seen people before on social media and thought you are just a grade a bellend and then i've met them in real life i was like fucking so sound and you only get that glimpse of like a fair it's not the same as a first impression because what i'm referring to isn't meeting someone it's referring to them as you've got that first impression from online and you've met them in real life and they got to you don't really sound but that that negative first impression was the last one that lasted for so long until i've actually developed a relationship with the person yeah definitely i think it, i'm more so referring to if you meet someone face to face and you have a bad encounter and then you're thinking, God, I don't really want to meet them again. I had this one really bad encounter and you're dwelling on the negative. And you might have had some really positive experiences with that particular person, mm-hmm. but you don't care about those. You care about that they were annoying, that they kept butting in when you were talking, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't shut up or whatever it would be. So you have a really bad perception. You can't live in your head. You can't really get over it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like first impressions, that whole thing about bad first impressions can forever last. Yeah, it's like... It's been shown that when we have those first impressions as well, when we first see someone or when we first met someone, we will always use more negative adjectives to describe someone than we will positive because we always, oh, the first sad. impressions draw on the negative. Isn't that sad? Hu- it's just human psychology. We always draw heavy weights to those descriptions of the negatives which form that first impression. So you could do like loads of good things, but you will mainly just see that negative because as human beings, that's what the negative device is mm-hmm. that we're drawn to that negative experiences, even if they are really, really small. Yeah. No, I, I was, I was, someone asked me a question and we'll go into relationships as well. Someone asked me a question of, 
about dating someone or they haven't dated someone, I think it was for a long time. Is it just them being picky or should they be more inclined to settle in a relationship? I said, you shouldn't, you shouldn't settle because why should you give up your long-term happiness to settle? Especially when it's something that's so important in life. But have some non-negotiables, like three things that you would like from someone in a relationship. But don't be so petty about the smallest negative things, such as, oh, one of her toes is bigger than a big toe. Like, you were just going down. A fucking... That was such a dig at me because my second toe is bigger than my big toe. I wasn't even thinking about that, but obviously it didn't put me off, did it? <laughs> so you can't be that critical and pick that many negatives about someone that you never, ever settle down. Have some things which are non-negotiables, yes. But if you're going to go down that route of stupid shit like that, you need to get a grip. And that's what I'm talking about of how many negatives we see in someone else creating an overall bad picture of someone. What am I? Non-negotiable. It's a bit like, do you remember the film, I suppose it's a little bit different, Shallow Hal? Who? Do you remember the film Shallow Hal? No. You've never seen the film Shallow Hal? No. <laughs> oh my God. Am I too young for it? Not really. Shallow Hal? Yes. No. It's about this guy basically who was really, really, really picky in the people he was going on dates with or people he was meeting or women he would go after. And the only, I think it was Tony Robbins in the film, does like this like mad hoodoo thing in the lift. And now the only thing he can see, see when he sees women is personality. So if someone has a I really, really that. nice personality, I she appears... give away the film. I want to watch could, it. You know, this, it's a, this would be on like the narrative of the, the DVD. Blurb the blurb so he would only see the personality so if someone if a woman had a really really nice personality she would appear beautiful oh so that's, that's what he would wonderful. see but on the opposing side if a woman had a horrible personality she would be shrek okay so he would see Ooh. complete polar opposites okay but the two guys who feature heavily in the film one of them has that thing of i'm thinking he looks at a woman's foot and it's like oh she's got one toe bigger than the other. And it was, it was clarifying like how picky people are when choosing a relationship and how there's a difference between settling and then just being a total dick with, with things. Yeah, completely. And looking for absolute perfection. Yeah, with your... What are your three non-negotiables? Or what were your three non-negotiables that you maybe found in me? Very good looking. I don't think that's I don't think that's shallow either. By the way, I think there needs to be a sexual attraction to someone. There has to be a sexual. I don't think it's chemistry. I don't think that's something like oh, it's not about how they look. Yeah, it's not all about how they look, but how they look is important I've as well. I've asked you for three. So. Cre- I'm just explaining my decisions. For oh no, sorry, I meant that's not your final choice. You've got three. Choices. That was one of them. Yeah. Number two is someone. I don't know how to describe this, but someone who's in the fitness industry, so someone who has, I suppose, similar similar interests and active, because I couldn't imagine being with someone who was just a couch potato and wasn't active and didn't have an interest in fitness. Your life would be completely different. It would be very different. We'd eat differently. We'd probably not train at all and that's something that we get from health and fitness for me and you is mm. we bounce off those occasions we go for runs together we go and train together we've done yoga together we <laughs> cook together we swam we, we've done every single thing you can think of sporting wise Climbing. and they're all they're all great experiences to, to have especially when we're looking at I suppose 
social cohesion or teamwork through stuff. Mm. And we had that competitive element against each other as well. Yeah. So that was a big important one. And then, the, do you know what? I've never thought about these before. The third one's got me. Surely personality. Yeah, but I can't, or I can't or how, how to be able interest. to make you laugh. But, yeah, I think that laugh, was, that's that was a big one, one of mine, like laughter. Yeah, someone like who can make me laugh is a big one. Yeah. That's important because obviously you've got personality, but I feel like if somebody can make you laugh, your personality gels really well with their personality in general. I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't be with someone who doesn't make me laugh. You make me laugh every single day and everything's fucking hilarious because we do stupid stuff and it's just so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're thinking of all the stupid stuff. Yeah. But no, it's true that I think I just kind of wanted to ask those because they're obviously so different for different people and that's, you might be sat there at home thinking, I wonder what mine are. And it is important. You can't have about 20 non-negotiables because you're just, just going to be a little bit too picky, aren't you? Trying to Could find you be someone. with me if I was keto? Um, if we were to, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not that arse about that. I'd, but at first impressions, if you were keto, I'd be like... Why are you doing it? Mm, you know, if you had committed my lifelong longevity to keto, I'd be like, this is going to be a problem. Because mm. you potentially would be quite moody, low on energy. You would, when we go out for food, food is I a big thing. food would be an issue socially, for w- socially for us, food is a big thing. Glass of wine is a big thing for me. We wouldn't drink. We'd have to be, we couldn't go out and eat in a lot of places. I, I know people joke about keto. Genuinely for me, that would be an issue because it just, fuck me off couldn't go and eat anywhere you couldn't go and do anything it'd be really fussy and it generally creates problems and is a potential for creating arguments i know it sounds petty but it would there you go there's ben's non-negotiable Fucking no keto. keto yeah it's a good job i'm not there <laughs> um i really wanted to throw in a quick example i'm gonna put that in okay. you know when you have to sign the thing for the wedding and stuff and you declare your marriage yeah gonna put it that's in the gonna be files. one of the terms and conditions Terms no and conditions, your freaking wedding keto. vows. Yeah, it's going to be the vows then that you have to promise not to be keto. I thereby take the Lucy Eliza Davis to not be ketogenic. <laughs> Will you at no point in the future when you are giving yourself to Ben declare yourself in a ketogenic state at any point? <laughs> okay, we need to move away from that okay. now. We've, got, we've gone too far into the realms of it. But I wanted to give... I think this is more of an example for everyday life as well, not just very fitness related in terms of the negativity bias. So you might be having a fantastic day at work and then someone you work with, so a co-worker, makes an offhand comment that you sit back and you're like, that was really rude or that was really irritating. So they said something to to you and then you find yourself going over and over his words you then get home, you sit in with your partner. Did you have a good day? Your day could have been great. The one comment, you know, I had, no, I had a shit day because Gary made this awful comment about me. So you're not, you're not thinking about your fantastic day, your board meeting, it was great. Gary pissed you off. So when you get home and tell your partner, did you have a good day? No, it was so bad because Gary said this about me. And that is a... <coughs> That is a perfect example of the negativity bias in like an everyday situation where something's happened. Or you could go to the supermarket, someone's bumped into you with a trolley, not apologised. You go home, you won't say, oh, I've got a lovely dinner planned. Fucking this woman bumped into me at the supermarket. 100%. Do you know, this happened actually yesterday for me. Oh no, what And it fucked me off, you know what I'm going to say. Oh yeah, but yeah. be... 
Oh, if someone said something on, on social media. Oh, someone said something on social a comment, I'll pull it up as well. And it, it's happened before and I, I don't really know. I know I don't really know what to say to people apart from like having a bit of a pop off. Mm. But then you don't want to know that people rattled you a little bit. But I'm quite honest and open talking about this. When someone says to you, it's been phrased differently. Is this a comment made at me? No, at me. Okay. So when someone says when in your relationship, you are so lucky to be with that person, you need to appreciate them. Mm. It's almost like a passive aggressive comment of like, you're not good enough to be with that person, so you are lucky. Yeah. For me, there's no such thing as look, you generate what you put out into the into the universe and the person that you want to be with and you have to be good enough for e- each other. Yeah, no, I want to be able And agree. sometimes I joke about yeah, you, you can be punching and stuff. But that sort of comment is when you look at negatives, that's that's one of the things that pisses me off and puts me in a bad mindset. Yeah, I think because we had this conversation after we saw the comment and I said, well, I say to you a lot of the time, I, I feel so lucky to be with someone like you, but that's my, that is me. You're my partner. I'm saying I feel lucky and thankful and I appreciate you as my partner. It's not someone else coming in being like, you're so lucky. To, it, it's almost it's passive kind of the it's way all, it's It's almost it's saying because you can look at it and think, well, basically what you're saying is, is kind of, I'm a piece of shit and you... You're lucky to be able to be with someone who's of that caliber. Yeah, because I didn't. I I wasn't offended. I didn't understand at the start, did I? No, obviously not. But when you told me from your perspective, I was like, ah, yeah, that is super patronizing. It doesn't actually come across nice at all. It's not. That wasn't a pleasant comment. Completely agree. Mm -hmm. It just. I I needed to hear it from your perspective. I think after because I was like, why? Why is that rattled you? Explain. You obviously explained. I was like, ah, yes, mm. patronizing. That's well. an example of an everyday thing of how something can just kind of send your mindset off one. Mm-hmm. And we just briefly spoke about social media. We spoke about in the podcast with James about how you can have sort of one of those negative comments out of oh, sorry, loads of views and loads of likes and stuff. But you focus on that. Cal was given an example before of I think one of your posts of where, say, for example. 30,000 people had viewed it, which is sort of half the capacity of Anfield. It's probably a bit more than half the capacity. And all those people shouting and cheering for you. And then you had, say it was 1% of people. So it'd be, what's 1% of of 30,000? Quick maths. Three. 300. So you'd have 300 people. That was so me. I'm really not strong. Maths is not my strong point. Don't worry about it. It's one little negative out of the hole and you're good at loads of other things. You wouldn't even be able to hear them. So it's, it's that same analogy of that small percentile of people you're focusing on. You wouldn't even be able to hear them. If all those people who had viewed that post were shouting, that really small 1%, you wouldn't even be able to hear, but you focus it so directly. And the other thing is that all those people who viewed it, the people who usually agree or are on side or on board with the post that you've put won't usually comment on it. And sometimes won't even like it. Mm-hmm. So that you will never know that they are agreeing, but they will just subconsciously be agreeing, sat at home watching it on the phone. It's only the people who want to throw negative shit yeah, who will usually comment, and that's why you, again, see more of it. Yeah, 100%. Like, I put up a post. When when was that really great post? Thursday. Mm-hmm. They're probably the best post I've ever put up on Instagram. No one talks about it, so I thought I'd be the first to um, pop in there. And... There was about three or four negative comment comments. Comments. <laughs> it's brain fog, guys. Comments. 
um about what I had posted it was to do with women being catcalled and being objectified for their bodies and these three or four comments did really rattle me because I feel very strongly about the post that I put Mm -hmm. up and there was thousands of amazing comments and it was these three that I was very very fixated on in terms of I kept going back onto Instagram refreshing and checking the comments. I wasn't getting back to these people, but other people were. And other people were going mm-hmm. in on these people, weren't they? And I said to you, sometimes it makes me feel a bit weird because I've put out a post. They've made a super negative, inappropriate comment. And then they start getting backlash from other people. And I was like, it makes me feel a bit bad that they're getting like hate and they're getting now bullied online. And you were just... I can't remember actually what you said. Something about you can't give out and not expect to get it back from these people. And that's one of those examples on social media where you get one negative comment and you don't even need a a big page on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook. come from fake pages anyway. That's the the funny thing. A lot of those negative comments have come from people who have created shit pages and no personality or Uh, no no, person I just meant you don't need to be a hashtag influencer. Anyone who has Instagram and anyone who receives a negative comment, one in one negative comment in 20 lovely ones, you're not going to not focus on that negative one. There's so many people that are just kind of saying, look, you're amazing. Don't focus. Don't don't focus on that negative comment. And it's in our brains to to do just that. Do you know what the bad thing is about it as well? And this is the funny thing about we talk about social media, but when we look at mainstream media and newspapers, ITV, BBC, they... The, the, these companies are obviously massive and they're very, very clever. So they know that negative feedback and negative negative news will stick. So the stuff that they broadcast all the time is going to be the most negative news because they know that's what people will talk about. So that's why we see so much negative news all the time everywhere because then it creates a moral panic where people will then talk about it even more. So, for example, we have these small pockets of negativity that happened, i.e., like around the Euros with the football. There's so much positive stuff to come away from the Euros. England had gone to the first final in like however many, 40, 50 years. The team was great. There's lots of celebrations around it. It made it brought the nation together. Everyone was really happy. Obviously, there was horrible things that happened from it. Racism, violence, destruction. Mm-hmm. But... It was a really, really, really small percent of people who were doing it. But the whole almost of the UK or English supporters then get tarnished with the same brush because the media have picked up on these small negative things. And not saying it doesn't need to be reported, but there's a lot of positives from the Euros that didn't get seen because they were they were almost overwashed with the toxic crap that had happened around the tournament and that's another thing that the media will do is pick up on those negative things and push it out because they know negativity is what sticks. Yeah. 100% I was all I was going to say in that is when you actually look into the research about the negativity bias studies have shown that negative news is more likely to be perceived as truthful since negative information draws greater attention it also may be seen as having greater validity this might be why bad news seems to garner more attention which is you've just given the perfect example of it yeah. because people get very involved and you kind of think all the COVID news that's still going out as well. It's never that sometimes it's never that positive, is it? Um, Is it? So everyone was very engrossed in what was going on and this and the stats and the numbers because that negative media 
people just it just yeah, no one ever talks about when it's getting better oh we've had this much stuff today no one's bothered about that everyone's bothered about the shit that happens also we live in a culture where people just love to fucking complain mm. so if there's negative news and people people to talk about it, then they will so it's it's one of those things that's never ever going to go away and we know that that's why the news is always filled with crap so try and not consume try and not consume as much of it because it's only going to leave you especially if you're watching news at the start of the day it's only going to leave you in a bad position from the start of the day yeah, no, I agree. I was just, sorry, I was staring into space then. I was just thinking about how it has, sometimes it has negative effects on your relationships, mm-hmm. whether it's with a partner or whether it's with friends or family. And a lot of the time when that negativity is happening, one of the people can get quite defensive Mm-hmm. about the situation or how they're feeling like you don't understand my situation da, 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 you went there and the other part is obviously trying to be supportive being like honestly don't worry about it don't think about it i think sometimes it angers the other person more not intentionally at all but you know when couples or friends or family are having some sort of conversation mm-hmm. and there's that negativity that someone has experienced and other people are trying to help it sometimes doesn't come across as helpful to the person who's had the negative experience. It sometimes comes across as shut up. It's like, it, it's really pissed me off. It's really upset me. But so I think there can be quite a lot of conflict that's caused because of the negativity bias. So like family comments and stuff like that? Family comments, relationships, uh, friends, close friends, however you want to Yeah, again, those, when, I think when those negative it. comments come from a person who you love as well and have respect for, it hurts a lot more and potentially you remember them even more. It was It's interesting because what you've just been speaking about there in regards to relationships and how you have arguments, Mark Manson was talking about something very similar on one of his posts a couple of weeks ago. And it's about when we have arguments in relationships, about sometimes how we term certain things. So for example, like when you're having an argument, me saying to you, you do this all the time. Or I feel like you never do this. Yeah. And you take one scenario where someone's done one thing wrong and you apply it to all the time or never happens. And then you automatically create this thing where you start to think, shit, do I do this all the time? Mm. Am I that type of person? When you've only ever done it once. So you've got to be careful how you communicate in a relationship sometimes because using one scenario or one time that something's happened to universally describe your behavior or a behavior can be detrimental to the way that you think and the way that you see yourself. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be careful things when you have an argument of how you communicate something that we don't just apply the paintbrush to every scenario because it's happened once. Yeah, and also people have very different personalities in, in that sense. If you're a bit more of an anxious person. So I would say if we compare ourselves to each other, you're actually pretty sound with negativities. I think you would get more rattled if someone bumped into you and didn't apologize than you would a negative comment on social media. Whereas I'm the opposite. If someone bumped into me, I'd be like, oh, sorry. And you're like, why are you apologizing? They just bumped into you. But if I see a negative comment on social media, sometimes I personally find it quite hard to forget about because I feel sometimes it pulls on like an anxiety string. Yeah. So in that sense it's quite personality dependent and how we are as human beings which obviously applies to everyone everyone has different personalities everyone has different reactions to situations and i think 
in that aspect, you you have to go back in on yourself and think, okay, where am I actually not the best in negative situations? How can I improve? Yeah, because this what we're talking about now is so objective. It's so individual to the person, like you said. So hundred percent, it's gonna it's gonna be like that. It's gonna feel like that. The thing that you also sort of touched upon that touched on there is how those negative comments can sometimes carry more weight for when it's coming from a family member. And I just saw someone post something before about shaming people and it was about it's actually a post about the kardashians and it was looking the way that through yeah how chloe kardashian was i think had comments from family and how it played on her and how it stayed with her especially when those comments negative are coming comments. from loved ones yeah negative yeah. comments like do you think you should be do you think you should weigh this much do you think you should eat this much and a lot of time it comes from family who don't think they're doing anything wrong mm-hmm but those type of comments do stick. Those type of negative comments do stick and have an impact on people for a lot. I had it through, through childhood. I think that's, when I went through my therapy and CBT, that's something that we discussed of how those comments impacted me later in life as well, especially when it came to eating disorder. And we know from the statistics of shaming people and fat shaming people, it doesn't work. Throwing negativity at, negativity at people doesn't motivate people. Mm-hmm. It actually does a complete polar opposite. It makes people have less less self-confidence, less confidence in taking action. It means it makes them take less action, makes them less motivated. So it does the complete opposite of what we want to try and do. So shaming people just doesn't work. And like we were speaking about before, how and where that negativity bias comes from, that can also be self-inflicted. For example, if you were to stand there in front of the mirror and look at yourself... You've done this loads of times before, and I've done it loads of times as well, personally. So I'm sure this will be relatable to a lot of people who who will listen to the podcast as well. When you are standing front on into the mirror, you could look like God's gift, but you would find some weakness in the armory or something that you don't like, and you will focus on that straight away. Yeah. You've stood in the mirror before, and I just think like you look unbelievable, and you'll say, Oh, there's this on the back of my leg, or there's this on my or whatever and I don't see that and I do it the the exact same and you can create this just toxic environment for you to start your day when you stand up and look in front of the mirror rather than focusing on all those positives that are at hand again you'll go straight to the smallest negative ever when you are looking at stuff and again that might be due to past experiences where people have left negative comments and I understand that but we're sometimes our own worst self-critic as well and that's so true isn't it that is so important because that isn't coming from other people that is your physical brain Mm -hmm. telling you that that's it's not it's not a problem as such it's not like oh god this is so problematic but it's something that needs work working on as in self-love self-appreciation those things don't come naturally to everyone. No. Like not a lot of people look in the mirror and go, oh my God, look absolutely fabulous, love this, love this, this. That's something that we learn over time. You actually have to practice. So if I was to stand in front of the mirror, I'd be like, oh, legs look great. Rather than going, oh my God, why is there a freaking spot on the back mm-hmm. of my thigh? And it's hard to do sometimes because you, you, we love to focus on that one negative aspect of our bodies. From sort of development of human beings and from a, social point of view we're always going to have those negative thoughts but it's how much we allow them to 
have an impact on the rest of our day or the rest of our life, but also how we deal with them, which is what we're going to talk about later in the podcast. So one of the things of when we look in the mirror is, of course, those negative thoughts may happen because they're very, very, very difficult to completely have control over, but you can control how you respond to them. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the the reason why I'm not a massive fan of body positivity, however, I'm sure for, for some people it can be great, is because we can't all celebrate just the way we look all the time and you're not going to feel great every single day. However, this is where the, the term body neutrality comes in of where it's fine if you have those horrible thoughts or you feel like shit, just to sometimes accept them because accepting them is just part of getting away from that and then focusing on the positives. Mm-hmm. So it's not every single day you need to be like, wow, I'm a fucking well beater because it just doesn't happen. You can you can get up and tell yourself that. I'm sure having those gratitudes and it does definitely help. But it's like when you see a dude in like a magazine, you'll be thinking how unbelievable he looks. I'm sure the guy who's probably on the magazine cover is thinking, oh, I wish I would have been a little bit lower body fat or... At least that mm-hmm. peck wouldn't have drooped as far down as the as the other one because he will only be picking the negatives out of it, mm-hmm. and it happens for everyone. And this is a thing: uh, human beings aren't supposed to be one hundred percent perfect. You're not, are you? You're not. You're, I don't know how to explain that properly, but you can't always think you have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. They're actually not. No, like. Everyone has negative feelings sometimes. That's cool. That's okay. Everyone feels sad sometimes. Cool. That's okay. Sometimes people get angry. Sometimes people get annoyed at things. Sometimes people are super optimistic and positive all the time. And they have little blips. It's all... It's funny though because no one wants perfect. Who wants someone no, who's absolutely perfect? No, yeah. Nobody wants that apart from you. When you go back into to history and Hitler tried to create the perfect race of of what he saw, the perfect way, sort of, of blonde hair, blue eyes. Nobody else wanted that, which is why everyone rebelled against it. Mm-hmm. We're the ones who create these narratives that we must be perfect all the time, but no, and- nobody else is looking for that. And also, it's those imp- imperfections that make you so unique. Well, the, you one create- thing, the one thing, whether it's work, fitness, health, business, whatever, the one thing that nobody else can copy is you. Because you have the, you own those imperfections. You are so indifferent. The one way that you can get ahead of anywhere else is by being unique. Yeah, definitely. And in that sense, you can tend to put a lot of unrealistic expectations on yourself if you think in your head, I have to be perfect because you're chasing this thing that actually shouldn't be chased and you're internally putting pressure on yourself. And I think those people who... I used to think I needed to be perfect. I used to think my life, everything, body had to be perfect going back four years. And when I started to let go of that, my actual happiness increased so significantly. You get a lot happier when you stop striving for perfection and just striving to be yourself. The same, you put those pressure on yourself, it's so difficult to live up to. Oh my God. So difficult to live up to. But the the one thing that I put down here next to, to look at is, and I didn't, really understand where this originated from so this is where i was doing some digging uh, this morning of where negativity bias really comes from and it's been stemmed back to our tendency to, to obviously pay more attention to those negatives through the results of, of evolution so obviously yeah. earlier when we look back at early human history we used to pay a lot of attention to the bad, to the dangerous, to those negative threats in real world because 
back in sort of caveman times, you were genuinely looking at each day as life or death. Am I going to be alive at the end of the day? So you had to look and be Very vigilant <laughs> of being, shit, where is yeah. this beast going to come at me? Is someone going to fucking come up and behind me and stab me because they're trying to rape my wife or steal food or whatever it may be? So you had to be vigilant to those negative threats around you. Whereas as we've evolved in society, those obviously don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So that fight or flight thing and that feeling of when we have those negative comments probably comes alive and that's why you have that adrenaline rush when you get a negative comment i get it when we yeah, when yeah, we yeah. do speaking events <laughs> because the last thing that you want is to become really tense close your fists up get dry mouth that is the opposite of what you need to happen when you are doing speaking but that's what happens because it's like you go out and the threat is there real are you speaking to an audience? So your that's a flight response. So your isn't body it? body takes on these physiological changes to deal with that potential negative threat, which isn't a threat, but through evolution, it's something that we've, I suppose, just innate built as part of us. Mm-hmm. I de- <laughs> I think I, I don't even know how would you how could you test if you have a fight or flight? You just have to be in those situations where like you're gonna get fucked up or something's gonna yeah. happen. So it actually has to happen to you in that situation. I'm sure you've probably experienced situations before where it's happened. I know, I'm trying to think of an example, but I can't quite. I think they're probably hard to... It's probably hard just to pinpoint. I, for example, had one when... You definitely had one. What, do you know what I'm going to say? Spain? Yeah, yeah. Probably the only one I've probably... Uh, probably not the only one I've had, but I think I've spoken about before on the podcast of when he went away on a family holiday and some lad pulled a knife on me and tried to stab me. Yeah, you saw everything in slow motion. And everything was going slow motion. I just hit him as hard as I've ever hit someone ever. Because I know I just needed to knock him out. But I don't think... In, that's obviously a example of, of an extreme example of fight. I don't think I would react that way in every situation. But that's obviously an example of how when adrenaline kicks in, honestly, everything just felt... I felt like I had so much time to react. Yeah. I can kind of think of an example. Go ahead. It's not... It's not that intense, but it kind of relates back to that post that I was talking about when you get cat called down the street and it's absolutely disgusting, derogative, like horrible mm-hmm. comments. Sometimes people don't say anything as carry on walking. I used to pretend I was on the phone, um, but it happened the other day. I turned around and went, absolutely fuck off, mm-hmm. you cretin. Whereas I'd never used to do that. So that's me. It's not essentially fighting. I'm not like, <laughs> get out your car and give us a punch. Extent, but I didn't turn around and walk a different way. I turned around and got very, very annoyed at the situation. But then I've also had a lot of conversations with women where it's a really difficult one because if they suddenly, if, if you've said that to the wrong person and they suddenly get out of their van or car, that's terrifying. Yeah, I'd so you, you are putting yourself in that life. situation because you have you generally have their fight or flight instance okay. but if you're if yeah, you're exposed that, gloves on. <laughs> if you're exposed to that negative experience all of the time i think there's gonna be a certain point where you're just like i need to fight back now i can't flight all the time what's up i haven't fought <laughs> no see see you throwing negative stuff at me again these negative comments I wasn't negative. I just thought I could smell poo. Because your nose is too close <laughs> to your own arse. That's why. But, however, we move on from the poo topic. We're not getting into another debate about this. Sorry. When we look at 
the neuroscience neuroscientific evidence has shown that it's, there's greater neural processing that goes on in the brain in response to a negative stimulus. So they've actually looked at the responses and the way that the brain lights up mm-hmm. when we're looking at a, a positive experience in comparison to a negative experience. Obviously, when we've been shown photos. So the study was conducted by psych- psychologist John, I can't pronounce his name, Kak. Kachipo, oppo, sounds like oppo ice cream. Participants were shown pictures of either a positive or negative or a neutral image. The researchers then observed electrical activity in the brain. Negative images produce a much stronger response in the cerebral cortex than the positive or neutral images. Mm-hmm. So again, it just shows how the brain lights up when we're being shown certain things. So they're the, the sort of physiological responses to that those different types of stimuluses. I suppose why sometimes we keep those in the short or long-term memory yeah, you for can longer fully, periods of time. You can f- fully imagine that happening in your brain can't you mm. because some negative situations are so strong sometimes you just feel like your whole body's been overtaken by this negative realm and it's like whoa what the hell was that well if the brain's responding like that like this again we spoke about the talk podcast and i have no evidence to back this up it's just just me speaking off term of why we see those things like ptsd why rape victims in life f- never get over those those circumstances, those negative, horrible, vile experiences, because they have such an impact on the brain. Yeah. So I, bet, you, I bet there's studies on that. There there'll will be. be there'll be there will be. On yeah. that. There will be. The the other thing that I was looking at is how, as children grow up, their perception of negative stimulus as well, because a lot of the time they're looking for facial expressions. We're looking at parents yeah. to look at their positive or negative emotions or expressions or feedback or sometimes punishment and how that has an effect. And this is the same when we look at punishment in in any way. So when I was doing chronology and psychology at uni, we looked at different types of punishment and how punishment and how negative feedback is often very irrelevant almost or doesn't work when we're looking at creating feedback loops or when we're looking at changing behaviors. And that's exactly why we have the biggest reoffending rates in the world because prisons essentially don't work. Punishment doesn't work. But what we'll often look out for is those negative reinforcements because we want to try and avoid them. Mm-hmm. So people want to try and avoid the punishment of crime or children want to try and avoid the result of their action, i.e. being punishment or some kind of negative response from parents. And children start to pick up from this. It's been shown at uh, a younger age, when especially when they get past one or two, they're looking at parents' faces, looking for expressions of positive or negative feedback to certain actions they may take. And that's why often kids try to get away with as much stuff as possible. And they'll always remember those negative things. When I was reading about this, one of the things that hit home for me is remember we went to Anglesey the other week Mm -hmm. and Ollie was in the sea playing with jellyfish. It wasn't playing with jellyfish. He's playing in the sea. And I I said, be careful, don't go near those jellyfish because they'll sting you. He didn't forget about that the whole time. Yeah. He's really conscious about the sea around where the jellyfish yeah, was, like even though he's having right, a great right. time. So I don't know whether, I obviously had to just be make him wary, but again, it just stood out to me that he was having a great time. He had a great holiday, but he always remembered that thing of what I told him, what the negative thing with the jellyfish, and he got almost scared about them because I'd give him that feedback. The, of, the negative. Yeah side of how it. children remember that from such a young age well i had a, i have got a great example of that with litter like yes growing too, litter yeah. so my mum and dad absolutely hate people who litter and i hate people who litter i think it's disgusting hold your freaking wrapper until you find a bin and i kind of grew up with that and my dad made 
it didn't make us we wanted to go as well we went on a walk and I think we were in the Lake District and we took two bin bags each me and Meg were four and five and we picked up every single bit of litter on the walk and we filled these bin bags we were four and five I will never ever forget that like that's something for me showing me the negative effects of litter on the environment and I'm 24 now and if I see someone litter I've only done it once where I've seen throw something out of a car and I've said you've dropped something because I don't really uh, that's just my approach to it now because I had that stimulus shown to me from such a young age and that's more of a family thing as well I think mm. my mum and dad are so strong on that and that's something that happened to me as a kid that I will never ever forget yeah I think a lot of things from childhood that stick so strongly in your mind when you've had that negative stimulus explained to you and shown to you and then you carry it through. Yeah, 100%. It's a great example. Very good example. Very good example. The the big question is how do we get that counterbalance between the positive and the negative and how do we, in order to be happy because ultimately that's what we all want from life, is how do we get and focus more on those positive experiences when we know that as human beings psychologically and physiologically we are so vulnerable to soaking up the negatives mm. and one of the ways that that we can do that and i'll sort of delve into some of the stuff that i did from cbt because cbt can be helpful what we're going to give now is some examples that we've taken from cbt but then also what some of the research and literature says as well so if you do struggle with this in a big way then i would just advise to go and see a professional go and present to see a gp yeah go and see cbt because we aren't saying we are experts in this field we are just saying this is what's worked for us and potentially what some of the literature says so the big thing is is how you look at things and talk to yourself after certain events after certain events or experiences mm -hmm. and the one thing that we always do like we just explained is we focus on the negative a lot one of the things that we can do is when we now know about the negative bias is to immediately intercept those thoughts and try and focus on something positive that's happened from that occasion. So for example, when we've done certain episodes of podcasts, I've we've had a great podcast and I'll go, oh, I fucking wish I'd said this, I wish I hadn't said that. And I focus on really small negatives rather than all those positives that have happened. So instead of doing that, I could go, Oh, that was a great podcast. We said this, isn't this? I think this will really help people. I think this was an interesting topic. I think the way that we bounce off each other during that episode is good. And you can interpret things in a very different way by just changing the focus onto taking a couple of positives away from that episode or focus on some of those experiences and, and turn them into a positive light from what you had been doing, which is a very basic way that you can look at things. And even obviously with that, if you think in your head, oh I wish I said this I wish I'd done that you could be like oh maybe next time mm -hmm. I've just reminded myself that I could talk about this or oh I forgot to tell that person oh next time I see them I'll just let them know and kind of changing it from god like that's so annoying that I missed that I go oh yeah little mm -hmm. light bulb next time I'll do that I'll make sure I incorporate it mm -hmm. so you're changing how you approach a situation where you don't completely have to disregard it you're you're more so changing your voice around yeah. the topic as well sometimes well, one of the things that I did, and this came from set, uh, critical self thought, was I used to self sabotage all the time. Yeah. And this was one of the things that I learned that I was doing through cognitive behavioral therapy. 
And I thought that I wasn't allowed anything good in life, which is why I'd always self-sabotage or something else to bring back that feeling of negativity because it was almost what made me feel grounded. The big thing that we did within that when I was doing CBT was to focus and just stay in the moment of something that felt good. Mm-hmm. So thinking about something that I'd done that day that was good. And to put it really simply, it might have been something really that small. felt as good. This is going to sound crude. If I'd had a good poo that day, mm-hmm. be in that moment. Yeah. I'd been in the fridge and had a good prawn butty. I'd, I'd, it was moist. The bread was good. The amount of butter to bread ratio was spot on. The amount of mayonnaise between the the, the, the little prawns was excellent. That first mouthful tasted sensational. Be in that moment. Feel that moment. Feel that prawn butty. Yeah. But honestly, it can be something as simple as that. Something as simple as just how good something tasted. And just be in that moment. It doesn't have to be something wonderful like... You saved the fucking world or you scored the, the last goal in the final. It could be something so simple as just how something fell when you tasted it or when you did something or when you did the last rep. Something, anything as simple as that, some of the ways a little mini accomplishment or something that felt really good from that day can really just help to stay in like a, a mental moment of positivity. And also it's very personal to you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, don't try and compare your things that make you feel good to someone else. So having moments of gratitude that are personal to you Mm -hmm. not that personal to your partner or your family or your dog or your friends or whatever you've got to put yourself in your situation where you're at because when you start getting into comparisons you might start bringing in those negative thoughts again so you have to remember that whatever you're thinking you're definitely doing it for yourself that's why gratitude's so good because even though there might be a lot of shit going on there might even not be a lot of shit going on again you just think about the bad shit gratitude will help you to think and pick apart those things that you are grateful for and the things that are positive in your life that you don't see because of negativity bias Mm -hmm. we used to do this all the time in the mornings and in the evenings i think it's potentially powerful for both but i think if you're going to bed with maybe two gratitudes or three gratitudes you're going to sleep thinking about the things that aren't negative and you mm-hmm. focus on those positive experiences which put you in a good mindset the other thing which is slightly different and i just like this quote because we've recently watched it was from fantastic beasts you know i'm going to say that oh, yeah, yeah I do. it's more to do with anxiety and about worrying about things and i believe and you can correct me if i'm slightly off but the guy asked newt why do you always tell me not to worry and he says because if you worry about something you are suffering twice. Yeah. Because if something bad is going to happen, you yeah, don't know if it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen anyway. But you're going to suffer with the worry and you're going to suffer with the actual event. Yeah. And you have to go through that situation twice. twice. And why would anyone want to put themselves through the situation twice? And although that is massively oversimplifying a very complex topic, I just like the, the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. And it's reminded me sometimes when I've been worrying about stuff, there's no God, point. Yeah, you don't want to do it twice. God, yeah. it was draining the first time. Exactly. Can't be asked doing it again. Exactly. You instantly looked, when he said that quote, you instantly looked at me and went, well, yeah, don't worry about it twice. Don't suffer twice. The same thing goes with when we're looking at gratitude and the thing that I like doing is, cre- is creating markers and highlighting the positives that sometimes happen in life. So, having going through photos, having, uh, celebrating particular events, like we've accelerated our anniversary the other week, we had like those those photos, went out, we spoke about things. All last week, every every night last week, we sat out for half an hour instead of watching TV yeah, and, and just had a chat. All those things, we would just reflect on the positives from our relationship, from other things that have happened in life, from memories. And 
they just help put things into perspective sometimes of when you sometimes had a negative day or you're just focusing on negative things. And I know it sounds very cliche, but finding the silver linings within some kind of scenarios which maybe aren't as positive as we maybe saw them at first view. Yeah, and I feel we we put a lot out on Instagram, social media or whatever and we don't put personal things that are happening to us out online. We don't really want to do that. So people look at us and think, oh gosh, you're so perfect. We've had like a really tough couple of months and there's a lot going on. And when me and Ben are sitting outside, like, oh my God, the moon looks so nice and I feel so appreciative. And you've got to take a step back no matter what your situation is and appreciate those smaller things sometimes. Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. That's what we're about with the silver linings. It's, it's cliche. The, the last thing I've, I've spoke about previously in the podcast is is about those those positives and the way that we reinforce them. So with, with basic human psychology, especially in behaviours, and the thing that we did a lot about was about operant conditioning and about positive reinforcement. And the way that we change behaviours or we, the way that we reinforce behaviours is via positive reinforcement and focusing on the positive and having positive feedback. We know that having negatives just don't work. Like I've spoken about before, punishment doesn't work. It's the same with, with weight loss or building muscle, anything in life. If we focus on something such as avoidance rather than something that we can gain from a situation, it never works. Yeah. So, for example, we spoke about in a podcast, if, if we focus on, oh, I'm going to lose weight because potentially later down in life later down the line in life i'm going to suffer from heart attacks type 2 diabetes um, higher risk of aerobic is it aerobic mm-hmm. sort of disease it's not aerobic diseases what's the word i'm looking for cardiac yeah cardiac diseases people won't do exercise because of the risk of avoiding the risk people will do exercise to gain the benefits of it mm-hmm. so being aerobically fitter weight loss the feeling better the self-confidence the being stronger so focus on those positives is far going out way and help implement those behaviors rather than doing it to avoid the negative so again those positives can be so powerful that's why positive reinforcement is a really powerful tool in regards to future behaviors yeah definitely i feel like that was a nice little wrap up to the potty it was indeed i think we've been about an hour there which is a a nice nice episode so you can enjoy this hour us ringing through your ears if you're going out to do a nice walk this afternoon this morning walk, in. Hope, hope you enjoyed having YouTube. us cl- clanging through your ears yeah 100% and we appreciate you guys as always there you go there's a little appreciation Yeah, we appreciate you guys when you share the podcast and you tag us and you tag the school and everything like that is so fantastic we love the podcast yes but if you are watching the, on the YouTube channel so if you I know a lot of people now are watching it when they're doing some cardio when they're mm. doing something where they're stationary for a while and they're just watching the YouTube video which is great but if you are watching it please make sure that you subscribe to the channel and hit that notification button because you'll find out when the new episodes are all released first thing and obviously just helps us push this valuable content out to other people who may potentially need it as well so share it like it subscribe keep sharing it on stories we massively appreciate it and if you have the time please just use the 30 seconds in your day just to leave a review on the apple podcast store is it as well yes 100 percent. so we will catch you in next week's episode Bye, bye guys